Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Difficult to keep the line between the past and the present. Do you believe that someone out of the past can enter and take possession of a living being? We may be through with the past, but the past is not through with us. Welcome to the next picture show. I'm Scott Tobias. I'm here with Keith Phipps. Say, hey, Keith. Hello. It's just the two of us this week. Yes, uh, we can make it if we try. Is this where we bro out? Oh, see, I, I was feeding you like a line from a soft uh, rock song. We can make it, we <laughs> try just two of us, you and I. You remember that? Jesus. That's true. All right, That's it's already true. off the rails. Um, so uh, <laughs> our, our absent co-hosts, uh, Genevieve Kosky, Tasha Robinson, are not here for this because uh, I don't think they've seen enough films that they consider good. But we are here to talk about some of the films we've seen so far in the first few months of the year that we uh, really like, that are our favorite films so far in 2023. And I think generally, it's been kind of exciting right from the start, right? I mean, this has been a year that uh, you, you expect, you know, the January films and the February films to be f- full of uh, bombs and things that the studio didn't want anything to do with or, or or even like, you know, cheap horror films that aren't good. But we got some cheap horror films that were, re- were good uh, uh, yeah. or mid-budget horror films that were good. So it was, it's been it's been a pretty good year so far, and certainly was enough for us to put together a list. So we wanted to kind of give you this sort of supersized bonus episode here in the main feed uh, to give you a, a you know idea of, of what our bonus episodes are like and what what you might want to check out if you haven't already uh, from 2023. And 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 shh, Scott, go ahead and tell him we had some scheduling issues. We had some scheduling issues as well. There's another reason why we're doing this. Why are you doing a best of the year thing in late April? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, or well, early May, but it's it's fine. No, the other reason is is that it's, it's been right before summer movie season kicks in, which is always kind of that's right. You can kind of divide the film year into like before summer movie season, summer movie season, and then award season. And like these are films that might kind of fall through the tracks if if we didn't shine a light on them now. We might even forget about them. Well, the other thing too is like it's, it's also you know when Transformers six or five, five or six comes out. Whatever it is, the, uh, those films are going to blow away these crappy films that we're talking about today, <laughs> right. right, Keith? Might as well just forget about what we're talking about now, because those films are going to be the films that people are going to be yeah, really exactly. excited about. So we're, we're gonna we're not committing though. We are not committing to a ranked order here. We're not going to do alphabetical either, because that doesn't really play on audio. Our lists are going to be in, in chronological order. So we, these are all films that we highly recommend, but we're going to. Uh, we just can't do the the five through one thing on these, right? Yeah, it's just it's just you can't hold us to it. You know, maybe by the end of the year we'll hate these films. No, we won't hate them, but but it's just like a pleasant little stroll through the year uh, as we've experienced yes. it so far. 
Right. And items will tend to shift during flight, right? That's that's the classic thing. This is uh items will shift during flight. Uh I think so. maybe I think these, that's... Yeah, maybe these films, maybe these films will grow in our estimation, right? Maybe. maybe or maybe they'll shrink. Um so but well let's let's get to it, Keith. Why don't you start us off because I think you have, you know, one of the 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 earliest films to be released in 2023 and one of the earliest surprises. I think the earliest major studio release of the year and it, it is it's one well uh, January traditionally a month for crappy horror films, but there's usually is one more notable film, even if it's not great. And this year, it was kind of clear what that was going to be because when the trailers dropped for Megan, the excitement level uh, around this film about a little robot doll who kills people really kind of started to go off the charts. And I think, you know, it's kind of <laughs> one of those things where, where, you know, you run into that snakes in the plane problem. It's like, where it's like, you know, it's just going to be like a viral thing and then it'll just die in a theater because the movie's not that great. I really enjoyed making quite a bit. I think it's just a really extremely well-constructed, you know, horror film that knows exactly the sweet spot between actually scary and completely ridiculous. There is a reason for that. It, it's it's written by Akilah Cooper from a story by Cooper and James Wan. Uh, Cooper also wrote uh, Malignant, which was one of my uh, you know favorite horror films of, the, of recent years. And it is exactly in that same sweet spot between ridiculous and scary. You know, we talked about it on the show, so I'm not going to do a total rehash. Uh, we did try to avoid movies that we talked about on the show, but I couldn't, I couldn't make this little mini one third of the year top five without talking about Megan. Scott, I think you enjoyed it too, right? Hugely, hugely. I think I gave it, I gave it four stars out of five <laughs> on this, like, which is maybe a little high, but but um, but I, I think it's a film that very much it kind of achieves its goals. It recalls a film like Child's Play, which is what we paired it with on the show and i think child's play also is a film that holds up better over time than i think maybe people would expect it would and i think i think megan is a film that's smart about certain themes about the development of ai and about and about how to raise children and about single parenthood and in you know women having careers there's a lot of substance on the table and i think i think it has that nice tone where it's it is a very funny clever film but it doesn't really forget that it's a horror film and it's not glib either it kind of hits a nice little sweet spot there and then you know hats off to allison williams who does a really good job as as the star of this film playing a character who is kind of thrust into you know motherhood when you know when unplanned uh motherhood uh yeah. when, when her sister dies and i sort of related to the part where you know she has all these cool collectibles uh that are not toys <laughs> to be played with you know? Yes. Yeah. I kind of when, when right. we had a kid, I kind of gave up on on keeping anything in mint condition. But uh, that was uh, you know if people who collect anything will will certainly cringe at that moment. It, totally, totally. I thought that was. I, I think it's a really good movie. Uh, my first pick is uh, is another horror film uh, uh, on a slightly smaller budget scale, a a, a fifteen thousand dollar <laughs> budget scale, <laughs> and that's the film. Uh, that's the film Skinnamarink. Skin of a Rink is, is this movie by uh, Kyle Edward Ball. You know, they got a certain amount of viral attention. It's one of those, uh, you know, I think TikTok is involved. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't get into the, what kind of attention it's gotten. There's a, but um, it's one of those horror films. And I think, and there's another one that I have on my list too, that is vibes based. You know, it's not really, it's a premise that is a, it has a premise and an atmosphere and you, you got a little bit of this last year in that movie we're all going to the world's fair which i really really liked and uh this is even more sort of abstract and experimental the, the basic premise are two small children brother and sister wake up in the middle of the night 
their father is gone for some reason. Uh, their their mother is not there for reasons that that uh, we don't know that are not explained, but that are suggested later on. And they can't leave the house. And there's you know, and it's set at a time where there's no cell phones, etc. So it's really just them being trapped in this space where there's something spooky and supernatural and kind of menacing going on. And it's all been done through mood and texture and certain visual motifs. It's one of the, and it's a thing where it's either going to completely freak you the hell out, which, which it did, did me, or it's going to bore you, which was kind of the response, the original response that Blair Witch got. But this is even more in the realm of just like, you know, I mean, Blair Witch looks like a, looks like, you know, a conjuring movie or something next to Skinnamarink. Skinnamarink is a much more basic and kind of it's just, it's interesting to me that it, that it became the phenomenon that it did, or however limited a phenomenon it became. I guess it made a couple million dollars, which is a solid return on a fifteen thousand dollars budget. But I was encouraged by the response to it. I think it's the work of of an obvious filmmaking talent, and it got me. I mean, there are a couple of scenes in the movie, one that does kind of get into the mother specifically, that um, had me utterly just terrified. You know, and in a lot of those scenes, kind of arise from an ambiance that can be kind of dull uh, at times, but then the film kind of snaps you out of that in in fairly shocking ways on occasion. So, uh, did you see that one, Keith? This gonna rink? I didn't, and I really want to, and I wish I had seen it in the theater because it seems like the kind of movie you're you're better off being kind of locked in with, and and, and yeah. not you know get, you know the temptation to get up and wander around and get some cheese or whatever is is not as uh, present there in the theater. I mean, I'm certainly excited to see it because people hate it, people love it, and it's one of those yeah. movies. So that's uh, I want to know what kind of reaction I have, and and yeah, it, it does seem like something I would enjoy if done well. Well, if what you're if, if the movie you're describing is a movie I'd actually see, I think I might like it. But who knows, Scott? You've been wrong before. Yeah. Well, it'd be it'd be funny to be like the uh, to to hear. I, I almost feel like the second film that he directs is going to kind of determine how much people like this one or something. He's gonna, whether he when when he's given more resources or something, it actually has to uh, deliver something a little more straightforward or something that that uh, maybe maybe that will reveal whether this is this is this was uh the a huge talent uh or or whether this is just kind of a one-off i guess that never really hurt blair witch though i mean it's, it's not like the blair witch people came you know came out and did a bunch of stuff after that that brought mm, glory no. onto them and uh and that i don't think that film's reputation has been damaged as a result what about you keith what's what's your what's your second film here so we should briefly talk, discuss like the sort of this weird zone that some films fall into where they're technically 2022 films but they just have like okay. an awards qualifying run and then they come to theaters later and, and you know when, I, when i'm putting my together my list at the end of the year i never know what to do with them um saint omer uh which we covered mm. on the show is, is one of those and certainly you know i think of it that should be on this list too great movie but we talked about that at length i'm gonna talk about return to soul which we did not talk about which is technically a 2022 film but whatever it's our show we'll do whatever we want with it uh it's the second film from davy chow who is a cambodian slash french director uh i haven't seen his his first film diamond island i don't i don't know that it was played all that widely here but this is a real um you know it's a i guess we'll call it a breakthrough film (laughs) it it stars uh jimin park which is a name to remember because she delivers a great performance uh here as a woman who was born in south korea and uh, adopted by french parents who ends up in seoul and kind of on a whim starts to maybe figure out like she'll track down her birth parents which leads to this whole multi-year odyssey that just takes 
twists and turns that you just don't see coming from from this uh from this All initial the stuff setup her father is just unbelievable yeah and like her own you know profession that she enters which we just won't get into is it's, you don't see that coming either it's i don't want to spoil this film uh but it's it's a really powerful film and you you might have in mind a really standard kind of indie drama based on that setup but it's really not it's 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 quite uh, slick and stylish and and you know twisty and again, that 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 lead performance, but Jimin Park is uh, is uh, first rate. Yeah, it's really lively. It would be a film I, I was struggling too about some of those annoying sort of tweener films. Uh, Close is another one though I, that wouldn't necessarily made my list, where it's just kind of like it, it's it's nominally a 2022 release, but really, in terms of people actually having access to it, it would be 2023. And that's when we reviewed it for the reveal. I loved it. I mean, it would be my favorite film of 2023 if we count it as 2023. So I'm right there with you. It's a it's a beautiful film, uh, but also just kind of lively and prickly and sort of like doesn't like swamp you in earnestness. I think you the worry that I had for a story like this is that it would be kind of all kind of earnest and theme first. And of course, you know, this woman who's never really spent any time in the country of her origin doesn't. She's a difficult. She's kind of a yeah. She's a lively character. She doesn't always make the expected decision. You know, she's driven by a lot of impulse, like like kind of a young person's sort of wanderlust is sort of uh, helps define her. It's just something kind of like it's a lack of earnestness is kind of a hugely appealing quality to me. And as well as that performance in the style of the film is quite good. Mm hmm. Yeah, she's a difficult character who not always doesn't always make very likable choices, doesn't always isn't always likable herself, uh, but you're with her 100% of the way. Uh, uh yeah, no, really strong film. Looking forward to more from everyone involved. Scott, you have a third film for us. What kind of film is that? A third film? Wait a minute, I wasn't prepared. Uh well, it's another <laughs> horror film. It's another vibe-based horror film called Ennis Men. This is a film by Mark Jenkin. It's uh, it was released uh, early, Neon put it out earlier in the year. It's another one that is virtually much virtually plotless, internal, very detail oriented. It follows really just one person. This is a woman who lives, who's a wildlife volunteer who lives, you know, in a an island off the Cornish coast, and she she you know one little I guess little twist of the movie is that she is she is making these sort of daily observations about this rare flower that's growing on this sort of outcropping of rock and it kind of changes and ends up affecting her in a way that's very strange and you know metaphysical and you know vision inducing and so the film kind of turns on that and a lot of the things that a lot of her internal struggles her nightmares you know things that have happened to her in the past they're not spelled out, but they are strongly suggested. A lot of really uh, tragic events that have kind of led her to this place, and it's it's presented in a way that is uh, both you know melancholy and terrifying at the same time. It's a film that, of course, would pair incredibly well with The Wicker Man if you're looking at you know the kind of the, the look and the, the sort of the vibe of the movie. Uh, very similar to the to the Wicker Man, except again a little more plotless, um, uh, but and and just full of just incredible detail like it, it really get, it gets into her routine it gets into this kind of radio that she uses to communicate to the coast uh, you know it, there's a lot of um it has the mark of you know a filmmaker who's got a, who's really super rigorous it's shot in like 
on, on multiple formats, but 16 millimeter, I think is the, is the primary format. So it's got that kind of grainy, but also sort of like very colorful sort of texture to it. It's a, it's a very promising movie. Um, making me think that I haven't seen Jenkins other work, but it did make me feel like this. He's going to be, you know, a pretty major figure. Yeah. That's another one I got to check out. I'm, I'm you're, you're, you're reminding me of all these, uh, of these horror films that you enjoyed that I, I need to go enjoy yeah, for myself. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, uh, it, when we when were both writing for the same a publication, uh, newsletter, <laughs> we, true. uh, I, 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 I'll say, hey, you know, Keith, you know, I'll take Innisman. <laughs> Thanks, get him a rink, and you're and you're kind of left uh, playing catch up at the end of the year. It's my my sort of sneaky way of seeing all the really good movies. I'll take the Super Mario Brothers movie, I guess. Whatever. That's right, <laughs> Keith. You have an ex- you're an expert. You're an expert at uh, God all what, what some whatever god awful thing comes out. Um, yeah. Sorry, but it's true. You know, Antman. You saw the Antman movie. I right? did. I did. Yeah, I, see, I, didn't, see I didn't see that. I, didn't I had see Quantum that. Mania. Yeah, you did. You did. I'm just now getting over Quantum Mania. Even so, so is that your number three, or do you have something else? Quantum Mania. What's your third no, film? Not... <laughs> okay. My third film. So I, I once again, uh, quote unquote, attended the Sundance Film Festival. That they, they, even in the post uh, lockdown era, they've been really good about keeping a uh, strong remote selection. So I, you know, I, I've gotten in the habit of just kind of holding up in, in our spare room uh, for several days every year and, and binging Sundance films. Uh, most of them have not come out yet. I did enjoy um, for you know for for a particular taste. I did really enjoy Infinity Pool that that did come out. The one I am uh, about to talk about, I did not see at Sundance, but it did win the Grand Jury Prize. Uh, it is the debut film of a director named A. V. Rockwell, who previously uh, done short films and and so on and so forth. But it's a really strong debut from her. Uh, she's a writer and director on, on, on this film, which is it stars Tiana Taylor, who's actress singer. What's it multi- called, Keith? What's it called? Oh my goodness, I should name the title. It's <laughs> called A Thousand and One. And that, that title is explained, if only really kind of keep your eyes peeled to understand why it's even called A Thousand and One in, in the film. But it stars Tiana Taylor, who's a actress, singer, multi-hyphenate. She's been in tons of stuff. This is definitely a dramatic breakthrough role for her. She's the, the lead character and in almost almost every scene. Uh, she plays, as the film opens, it's set in the early 90s. She is being released from Rikers Island. Uh, she returns to her neighborhood in Brooklyn. And begins kind of like trying to put together her life back together, but she is kind of haunted by uh, a child that she left behind, uh, who's end up in foster care, and she decides that hey, I'm just going to abduct this child. So she, you know, abducts the kid, moves to another neighborhood, starts putting a life back together, and the, the film unfolds over many years. The kid's name is Terry, and three actors play him. Uh, the real, they're all good. The real standout here is Josiah Cross, who plays him as a uh, teenager. But it is it's another film in which the protagonist is not always likable, makes a lot of choices that that kind of well, you know, starting with kidnapping uh, makes a lot of questionable <laughs> yeah, like, choices. Okay. But it's also, you know, depicts just the, you know, fundamentally her life is built around making an a life for this kid. And it makes some really interesting choices to at one point uh, a character uh, an old boyfriend named lucky played by will catlett comes to live with them and, and this is where you kind of reflexively think oh no this guy's trouble and that's actually not the direction the movie takes at all so just when you think you know where it's going it's it, it does not go there like another film on my list i found myself kind of growing impatient with its pace because it is very deliberate and you spend a lot of time 
in every scene and every phase of this. But by the time it was over, I was actually grateful for that pace. I felt like it was necessary for this film to work. It is uh, you know, full of period detail and some biting commentary. Each section opens uh, with a quote from the current mayor uh, at, at, the, at the time of the, the of the setting <laughs> about you know how this person's going to change things for the better and and you and as and the the actual on the ground way that plays out is 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 anything but better. But um, it did fairly well in theaters. It had a fairly wide release. Uh, I don't know that it got talked about that much uh, beyond its first week of release. I do, but I think it's really worth checking out now when it becomes uh, available for home viewing. Yeah, I've been really excited to, to see it. It is available for home viewing now at, at an absurd rate if you want. Oh, right. <laughs> so I'd, I'd rate for the, it's like a, one of those $20 rentals. So sure. Just like, yeah, wait for that to come down a little bit, but but I have been really interested in, in it. And you're certainly not, not the only one who's uh, had some uh, good things to say about it for sure. And uh, uh, yeah, the third film I included on here is an, um, another independent film from a filmmaker that we know quite well at this, th- this point. Um, uh, it's Kelly Reichert. It's her new film is called showing up. This is uh, I think an extremely personal film with Michelle Williams, who she, this is the fourth time they've, collaborated they collaborated on films like uh wendy and lucy and meek's cutoff certain women as well i think that's the other one right mm-hmm. yep she's okay. that. yeah so th- those are the those are the four uh this is the latest and it's about a sculptor who's also works in academia which is what reichert does reichert is a filmmaker who who has also been a film instructor for decades she currently works at, at bard college and in terms of the stakes, they are appealingly low in the sense that the only the film builds up to a show, an exhibit that Michelle Williams' character is putting on of her work. It's it's not even in a gallery that's downtown. It's a small little gallery. She's got a lot of things going on in her her, her life. Some some tension within the family, some hassles, in academia. She doesn't have a hot water in her in her place, which is a great thing. Hong Chow plays a, another artist who's who also happens to be her landlord. And one of the one of the very small details I like about the movie is that is that is as much affection as as both the movie and Michelle Williams' character has for this artist slash landlord. It just kind of sucks that she doesn't have hot water. And she feels like as a tenant, she deserves hot water. This isn't, <laughs> isn't cute that she doesn't get it. And I just it's like one of those things that feels so real. And it, 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 in the film in general, has an almost like heroic proportionality to it. Just like it's like I'm not gonna, I'm not taking a big bite here. I'm, you know, this is a film about the work. I mean, the, the showing up is right there in the title. It's about the impulse to be an artist. It's about the day to day work of being an artist. It's about kind of getting gratification not from some big splashy premiere, but just from a from a from another showing from a showing of your and from doing the work you know so on that level it just it, it seems like so much of a statement of purpose from from kelly reichert who has been genuinely independent her entire career i mean from river grass to the present like every film that she's made has been made completely on her terms independently you know, she lives the life that is being reflected on, on on the screen here. She isn't somebody who is going to like Moonlight as a TV director or try to take her swing at a Marvel film or something. This is not how she works. She's she's uh, always been independent. And I think this film kind of, you know, puts that stake in the ground. It, though it was funny when I when I interviewed her for the reveal um, when she was in town and um, 
you know, one thing she did say about, you know, when we were talking about the subject of independence was like, well, you know, her studio now is A24 and the last movie they, 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 they greenlit her last movie was about uh, a, a couple of guys who uh, stole milk, stole cow's milk. <laughs> and that's kind of like, it's like you know, they, they bankrolled that. So, so uh, she feels like she's in a pretty good spot in terms of uh studio her, her her at least her idea of, of a studio i think she's in a pretty good place but she's had her earn her way there and I, I i really have a lot of affection for this movie it's another one i can't wait to see i i did i did uh i had vague plans to see it this weekend did not get to it uh i went to, went to see something else instead which we'll talk about later on this episode <gasps> for my next selection yeah yeah i'm ready let's get let's do it what's your fourth uh, pick so i'm not gonna go into it too deep because uh there's a bonus episode uh for our patreon supporters uh uh in which tasha and i discuss it and we're kind of not really on the same page with uh bo is afraid the new film from ari aster and it's okay and so you know this is uh, i don't know where i'm gonna land on this film ultimately i just know i'm still thinking about it uh I, i felt like sort of like you know, I, I wrote the review of it for for the reveal, our newsletter, which we've mentioned a few times on this show, where you know you kind of do the sort of internal like if I were if this film were to end right now, what star rating would it get for me? And it's kind of ping ponging you know, all over the place for me because it is uh, uh, it's a very frustrating film. It's another one I like I said before I felt myself kind of impatient with the pace of this one, but when it was over, you know, I felt like every miserable moment of its 179 minutes was kind of necessary uh, to make the film that Ari Aster wanted to make. And that sort of that kind of complete control of what he's doing is evident throughout this film. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, a little bit of a plot. Joaquin Phoenix plays uh, Bo Wasserman, who is a uh, middle-aged man with a bald pate and and, and a paunch and, and incapable, seemingly incapable of starting any conversation without without starting it with the words, I'm sorry, a very meek person. And the plot of the film is basically his attempts to travel to see his mother on the anniversary of his mother's wedding to his long dead father. And his the possibility he will not make it there is, is an occasion to lay a huge guilt trip on him. And over the course of the film, we see that kind of guilt trip is the journey he's been traveling since he was born. Uh, I think the first section of this film is the best. It is set in this this absolutely insane urban nightmare in which he lives above a uh, which Bo lives above a porn theater, and the streets are just filled with with crazies uh, twenty four hours a day, and just giving you an idea of of just sort of the level of discomfort. The first kind of big development is. Uh, he's trying to sleep the night before his big trip, and he keeps getting notes under his door saying, please turn the music down. He's not playing any music. And these notes get <laughs> increasingly frantic over the night, course of the night. And it just kind of builds from there with like one layer of of fear and, and you know, cause to be anxious on, on top of another. Uh, and then the rest of the film happens. And it is a, you know, a really uncomfortable film, a really incredibly well-made film with a phoenix performance of, of the sort you haven't really seen too many places and i saw it in imax which if you get a chance that's probably the way to see it there's a lot of detail in this yeah i'm, I'm uh I, I was gonna see it the first chance i i get though imax for for us is 
<laughs> I don't know. It's not that. It's it's like it's, it's like it's, fake IBAX over at over at uh, City yeah. North, but it's fine. Uh, it, it, that makes a difference. It's not. It's not nothing. It's not just you know seeing it at a shoebox or something. There's something a little bit more to it than that. Do you do a sidebar here about how ridiculous it is that a city like Chicago does not have a full IMAX screen anymore since the one at Navy Pier closed? Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. You put it on Navy Pier. Yeah, I guess so. What do you have to pay to park there? To, yeah. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. At Navy Pier to do is to see an IMAX film. There's so many other things to do at Navy Pier. <laughs> oh, I'm just joking. Don't go That's there. true. You can, you, can ride the, you can ride the Ferris wheel. You can yeah. buy overpriced uh, souvenirs. Yeah. You can go yeah. to McDonald's. There's a McDonald's there. It's, it's yeah, great. There's a great McDonald's. place. Make it your first stop when you come to Chicago. It really <laughs> is the, be- what the best the city has to offer on Navy Pier. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that, that was your bonus Navy Pier content on here. Do you want to know what my? I do. What? What is? Is this? Wait. Are we on your? This is my fourth pick of the five. Yeah, here. Your, your your penultimate pick of of, of penultimate. our unofficial informal ten best films of the year right. as of the almost the end of April. All right. So I'm I'm gonna. This is not gonna make my best of list, Keith. It's not gonna do it. Okay. But okay. but, however, I uh, last night I went to the fan. I went with the family. We all got together and saw a little film called Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. Did you pilot the station wagon? We we did not. We we walked to the Alamo Wrigleyville. We we all got bur- I got I got a burger and a, a beer, and uh, my family got all kinds of. It was it was literally easily the most expensive movie night of all time. But we saw this film together, and oh, we had a great time. This is uh, a film from the the filmmakers who also did uh, Game Night, which I absolutely love. This is not on that level, but it seems to be kind of sneaky in a way because it's not. It, it is a franchise movie. It's the Dungeons and Dragons, but really, that's just kind of the the hook or the the obligatory IP thing that's going to kind of get you on the line for what is basically just a adventure comedy. You know, I'm sure that it's chock full of D and D references that I don't that I don't know. Uh, it, you know, and you get a D and D vibe from this team effort where everyone has a, has has certain you know strengths and weaknesses and s- things they bring to the table, things they can't do. I found it tremendously well balanced. Uh, I found, found the performances and the characters to all be very sharply written. I laughed a lot. I think the effects are the storytelling is clean. Effects are effects are solid. I mean, I, I just thought like this was like this did the trick. I mean, this was like, this is kind of what you want from a, a Hollywood film that the whole family can see and enjoy. I thought, I thought it totally delivered the goods. Um, I was, it was better than I, I'd been told that it was solid and, and, and worth seeing with the family, but I, I think it did a little bit. It was e- even better, I think, than, uh, than uh, advertised. Yeah. I had a great time with that movie too. And, and, you know, the action scenes also should add or, or like, you know, clean and not incoherent and, yeah. and, uh, yeah, the everyone's, everyone's trying to be a little fearful. No, well, you know, nowadays it's, <laughs> it's like it's, plain, it's like plain from is... earlier this year. It was like, okay, it's movie, movie with air conditioning, but it it works, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, uh, no, I was, I was I very much enjoyed that film, and it, it and we, you know, uh, my family went as well. Uh, we piled into the Rav Four and uh, and went to go to the multiplex to see it. It just it, and and it was also a reminder of how few opportunities we've had to do that this year. It has not been yeah. a great year for family friendly movies. 
Um, yeah. and this, uh, this is, this is fits the bill and, and, and I hope there's more, I, I would definitely like to see oh, more totally. installments in this film. Well, yeah, I, yeah. This, is, this is, this is me on the studio, the studio film podcast saying more from this franchise, please more intellectual <laughs> yeah. property development. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really de- deliver the goods. And it had this character. I, uh, I don't recognize the actor that I'm told that he ple- he's, uh, plays a major character on Bridgerton, a show I do not watch, but there's a, 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 a guy who is completely heroic does all the right things it just he's just kind of annoying you know just uh, there was something the comedy of that of just of this of this guy who you know does the right thing and and uh is handsome and is does you know is is what you would want a hero to be in every in every way you know just has kind of a you know because he's such a straight arrow you know there's just something kind of annoying you know it's and there's something i the, the comic tension from that was so delightful and it's just like that it's like that th- throughout i think the characters really ping off each other well so it's, a, it's maybe a little bit too long but i think it's well paced and uh you know i think they kind of got away with something a little bit in the sense that it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's tied down to the ip too much it feels like the ip is just was the was what gave it a chance to exist and be its own fun thing so dungeons and dragons honor among thieves i think it's pretty good so before people start writing in, it's Roger Jean Page, uh, who uh, you know is, is ah, a big role in okay. Bridgerton, uh, was similarly like when he popped up on Saturday Night Live. I was like, wait, who? Because <laughs> I don't watch Bridgerton either, but he's been around. I mean, he's been in, in uh, Sylvie's Love, a movie people like. And- yeah, I know, I know, I knew, I knew he was a star. And I mean, you can tell by his, his appearance and his performance here that mm-hmm. he's just got tremendous charisma and and uh, I, I I you know again I love that I think Chris Pine is a terrific lead for this film gives it you know, really gives so it the right tone and you got Hugh Grant I mean in a in a period piece like this it's just like it's money in the bank his his later career reinvention is just like a a, a, a villain who's a jerk I love it bring more more yeah. more Hugh Grant yep. um, also, also uh Roger John Page was in, in the gray man come on who could forget the Gray Man. We loved everything about I The Gray did, Man, yeah. right? <laughs> I have not seen The Gray Man. The Gray Man is not Ooh. called out to me. Okay, mm. so what's what is your favorite film in chronology? <laughs> what is your chronologically uh, 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 number one uh, what, film of the year? Well, it's definitely chronologically my number one uh, uh, final film here because I just saw it yesterday. It's, it's Suzume, which is the latest from from anime director Mikado Shinkai, um, who also directed another film I liked called Your Name. I have not seen his other big release here, which is Weathering With You, which I should see because I did really love Your Name. And I'm not always the person who's out there recommending anime it is something that that when like when we did bell last year like oh wow i I really like this i should seek out more things like this but then i I tend not to this was just i wasn't even really this wasn't even my radar radar but the three of us my family was looking for for something to see and like this looks good i remember your name being good Uh, i really enjoyed it 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 is and i'm glad i saw it on the big screen because it's just it's a gorgeous film is about a 17 year old girl named suzume who uh lives with her aunt having lost her her mother uh, for reasons that are not revealed until later uh in the film who comes to meet this person kind of this mysterious man a mysterious handsome man there's there's a sort of an instant uh, attraction uh who is there looking for some ruins uh and and uh for reasons that you know she soon finds are, are tied to you know keeping in, in you know keeping the dragon spirit within concealed uh, to prevent a, a disaster as as one does in an anime film it really takes some 
odd turns. Uh, the hero spends much of the film as a, a as a small child's chair. <laughs> There's lots of wonderful <laughs> sights of this kind of chair toppling around <laughs> as they go on their adventures throughout Japan. It, it's kind of a road movie. There's there's these really stunning action sequences, but it's also like has like this moves at its own pace. It's got this really kind of slow lyrical sections to it as well. And as with your name, uh, it's really emotional, which I, I believe is kind of Shinkai's. Uh, um, one of his trademarks is he makes these films yes. about you know yeah. young people with really high emotion and uh, uh, this is definitely that it really got me by the end especially you know the reveal as to you know can you kind of piece together what Suzume's life story is over the course of the film you know as with most anime things here it's kind of a fringe thing in the states uh, it is the fourth highest grossing film of all time in Japan <laughs> right now uh, as as, of, as we record this so you know a much much bigger deal in other parts of the world and and I'd really think if you get a chance to see this because it, it should still be playing theaters by the time we release this episode uh, pl- uh, get it you know go check it out yeah, yeah, that's one that I would want to see with my eldest daughter who really loves animated films and and uh, you know emotional, you know some semi abstract, you know the you know ha- handcrafted Japanese <laughs> animated films. She is that is one hundred percent in her wheelhouse. So, uh, so maybe that's something I'll try to see with her before it leaves theaters. Um, yeah, I recommend so, it. So I have some questions for you, Keith. Mm-hmm. This is my this is for my last one. Do you want to see a cesarean section performed, Keith, on screen? <laughs> um, so I don't know if it was simulated or not, but I reviewed the Dead Ringers uh, miniseries uh-huh. for TV Guide, uh, which is one of those TV shows that kind of like it really wants to weed out parts of its audience with the first episode because there's kind of graphic scenes of that. And there's one cesarean scene. I don't know if it was simulated or unsimulated. All I know is I I, I texted my wife immediately after uh, watching this episode to thank her for what she did because it was really yeah. kind of tough tough to watch. Uh, I don't think I would really want to watch. Well, okay, let, let, uh, I'll <laughs> try, ask you another one. Do you want to see eye surgery performed, Keith? No, I don't. Scott, I don't. Oh, but, 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 I, I, okay, <laughs> let me get you a third one. Do you want to see? Do you want to see like a probe kind of like inserted into the tip of some person's uh, 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 junk? There, Keith. Uh, you can say penis. I think good? you can say penis. Penis, on this show. right? No, yeah, John, really Johnson. Look, look, I, Scott. I respect your opinion so much, and I'm sure this uh-huh. film you're about to talk about is wonderful. Yeah. But as uh-huh. we discussed before, I will not be watching it oh, ever in my lifetime. <laughs> This is terrible. This is terrible. You're, I can't believe you're. I'm, this an, is, I'm uh, anti-cinema. I know you are anti-cinema, but this is like yeah, this is like, what about what about the Unshin and Delu? You know, there's an eyeball slicing in that one. There's, this sure. is nothing in here as shocking as that. Mm. Anyway, this is the film I'm talking about. Is the is the huge uh, blockbuster hit, Dehumani Corpus Fabrica? Actually, not a blockbuster, but uh, it is the new film uh, by Lucian Castating Taylor. And Verena Paravel, uh, they are also part of the the Harvard Ethnography Lab. They, as a team, were best known for this movie called Leviathan, um, which is a documentary about the fishing industry and about basically kind of giving you the visceral feeling of being on a boat and being in the middle of it. And and, uh, it's it's, uh, highly abstract. It's very beautiful. Um, this is a film uh, that is about the human body inside and out. It's about it. It, it w- watch, witnesses several procedures, and you know, and, and some some kind of internal camera work as well. So you see, you see some some of the 
person's the landscape of the body is definitely a, a major theme of this movie and i think a lot of the things that i a lot of these ideas, things i've confronted you with are palatable within the context of the movie it is not it, it is a film that does have a certain visceral you're still you're, you're you can't you can't even you, there's no way you're watching this but it, 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 i'm telling you all that's all that stuff sounds like you'd re- things you'd recoil from but within the context of this movie it's all incredibly compelling and what they one of the things they do that's so interesting is they they, they overlay a lot of the conversation that takes place between you know among sort of medical professionals people who are who are doing surgery and talking about you know scheduling and benefits and the state of the healthcare system and and uh you know certain uh, you know talking about their diagnoses and patients and just things that the, things that people in this profession would talk about and it all just it's all just so fascinating i, I just i you know it's it's a um you know it, it gives you that kind of visceral impact of course uh, as you would just by except expect by description and expect by your exposure to leviathan as if it's a film that you saw but it's also it's, it's it is a film that is legitimately beautiful and and you know riveting to, to watch as well so i think if you do have that if you're not keith phipps and you do have um you know a stomach for these kinds of oh, images like and the interest, outlier here <laughs> what I mean, people go to medical school right yeah i didn't yeah. you want to be a professional profession if you want to be, a, if you're into, if you're into science and if you're into science and art, this is this is the movie for you. So I I appreciate it, 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 but it's not a film I think that is trying to shock people. It is not that type of thing. It, it is very you know matter of fact about a lot of these things, and of course it doesn't really. They they're not real context people. They're not they're not going to give you the you know they're not going to give you talking heads. They're not going to you know they're not going to give you a lot of information. Everything is really going to going to be done through the process of observing and, and about what what you're going to be doing with the camera and, and sound and it's just very cinematic. So uh, if you can handle it, uh, I think it's a really good movie. It's called Dehumani Corpus Fabrica. I will say if I ever ever see it, I'll probably get acquainted with the top left corner of the frame <laughs> quite a bit yeah I mean, sort of my... it's, it's, a, it's something for the ears as well as the eyes keith <laughs> okay <laughs> i really i fully respect your opinion and, and i'm, I'm sure you're right it. about this oh come on well we'll see if i get well, to it how about that yeah yeah <laughs> uh so so that that's going to be it for this special uh one-off edition of the next picture show but we'll be back next week with another set of episodes. Keith, do you want to tell us about our episodes dropping on May 9th and 16th? On our next episodes, we'll be discussing two female coming-of-age stories. Inspired by the recent release of Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, an adaptation of a classic Judy Bloom novel, we decided to revisit an indie 90s breakout, Todd Silence's Welcome to the Dollhouse. We hope you'll join us on this journey through adolescence and awkwardness. Also, if you haven't seen Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, check it out in theaters while it's still around. Well, for now, we continue to welcome your, your your feedback on on any of the films we've talked about on this episode, or, or anything else from this year that you that you like. Maybe there's another film that we haven't mentioned that's come out in 2023 that you want to tell our listeners about. You can email us at comments at nextpictureshow.net or leave us a voicemail at seven seven three two three four nine seven three zero. We usually like to say where we are these these days, Keith. Where where are we? I don't know where. I'm in my I'm in my basement. Uh, You're also in your basement, but but where are we in terms of our work? 
Um, well, I'm a freelance writer. You can find my. I, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter at KFIP3000. Yeah. I, I usually you, my, you have my, check my, anymore? my pieces there. You don't have a check, do you? I don't have a check now. Yeah, uh, I don't want. I don't want to get into it. Um, <laughs> I just. I see now that that uh, Drill does not have a check either. So you know, we're in, uh, we're in good company for now. For, our, for the for, the, for the, the, this 15 minute period. Let's not talk Twitter. Uh, but, okay. but I, I, I write for places like GQ, The Ringer, TV Guide, Vulture, and as we've mentioned a few times in the show, a, uh, a newsletter called The Reveal, thereveal.substack.com, which I write with my pal, Scott Tobias. Hey, there's Scott Sweet. right there. Scott, hey, whoa. where can we, huh? find, your, where can huh? we find your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Scott underscore Tobias. It may or may not be me. I'm not verified anymore. Uh, you can find me uh, at, at The Reveal, of course, with, with Keith. We're doing a lot of stuff you know, working very hard on that. And that's been really great. Uh, you find me in the New York times, uh, vulture where I'm still just like doing succession recaps, which people are reading. I'm just unnerving. And then, uh, I got to go back to shows that, you know, are only lightly watched. Uh, that is a little <laughs> less stressful. And, uh, you can find me on at guardian as well. Uh, our absent co-host, uh, Tasha Robinson. Uh, she is, you can find her on Twitter at Tasha Robinson. She is the film and streaming editor at Polygon. And our other absent co-host, uh, Genevieve Kosky, she is the senior TV editor at Vulture, and she is barely on Twitter at Genevieve Kosky. Uh, she also has some really good, uh, her dogs have some really good Instagram. Uh, you, can, you, know, you can see some good dog action on Instagram if you want to look her up there. You can stay updated on the Next Picture Show at nextpictureshow.net and on Twitter at nextpicturepod. You can get bonus content and open discussion at patreon.com slash next picture show. And as always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Thanks to Dan, the bake Jakes for his assistance producing this podcast. The next picture show is proud to be part of the film spotting family of podcasts. Please tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs>